Welcome to Scientific American Mind, the magazine about thought, ideas, and brain science. We have seven fascinating articles for you in this special issue. You'll hear the latest thinking about whether animals really do have feelings. Then, you'll get some provocative answers to the question, do gays have a choice? Following that, you'll find out how the brain can be trained to ease symptoms of epilepsy, depression, and other disorders. You'll also hear about the newest advances in treating Parkinson's disease. Then, you'll get some very useful advice about making up your mind and sticking to it. And we'll conclude with a story you might find hard to believe. You might have individual nerve cells that help you recognize celebrities, or anyone else for that matter. First, it's the cover story, Picture This, by Thomas Grutter, a physician and writer from Germany. How the brain creates images in our minds may well determine how we think. Which cities farther north, Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine? Unless for some reason you recently committed to memory the latitudes of all large U.S. cities, you probably have only a rough map of the country in your head and can call up at best an approximate mental image of their locations. Or perhaps your mental picture is so precise that you know the right answer, Portland, Oregon. This ability to conjure internal images may seem matter-of-fact to you, but from a scientific perspective, it is anything but. How the brain generates and processes mental pictures has been a matter of much debate in the research community. The solution to the problem would illuminate an important facet of our conscious experience. The core of the issue is an even more fundamental question that has occupied philosophers for millennia. What are thought made of, and how are they represented in the brain? As with many other areas of neuroscience in recent years, brain imaging technology is providing some insights. Sharp or fuzzy? Philosophers have pondered the origins and purpose of mental imagery since ancient times. The first person to approach the problem using scientific methods was the renowned anthropologist and statistician Francis Galton, a cousin of Charles Darwin. In 1880, he published in the journal Mind the results of a survey he conducted among numerous colleagues and friends. The task, he said, was to have all respondents imagine the table at which they had breakfast in the morning. Galton was interested in the number of details his test subjects could recall, and precisely how the image was constituted. In other words, how colorful and vivid was it? The results puzzled him. The quality of the images reported by his respondents fluctuated widely, and of all people, his fellow researchers overwhelmingly reported that their internal images were faint, obscure, or simply non-existent. How could that be? Later investigators noted a methodological flaw in the way Galton posed his research question. One person's mental image simply cannot be compared with another's. What was missing in his question, how clear is your mental image, was some kind of uniform reference point. In 1973, English psychologist David F. Marks finally came up with a tool to find such a guide. Now at City University in London, Marks developed the Vividness of Visual Imagery Questionnaire, or VVIQ, which is still the most widely used instrument for this purpose. The VVIQ asks respondents to compare the clarity of their mental imagery with the quality of their perception when actually looking at something. The test subjects are asked to imagine a variety of scenes and then to rank on a five-point scale how vividly they see their mental image. Answers range from one, which is perfectly clear and is...